Amen. I was in uh, I was in that room right behind Chad back there a few minutes ago, and I, I had several people tell me to stop talking. Um, usually, when I'm told to be quiet, it's because of the room I'm in, not the room I'm not in. Um, this uh, I just I'm taking a minute just so you visualize this is this is going to mean something later. Um, this is a Lipton cold brew tea bag I'm putting in this middle cup of water. Um, please don't get distracted by the sweet tea. I know between the sweet tea and this shirt, you're probably dreaming of a picnic. But uh, just try to stay focused if you can today. Oh, um, you know, sometimes, uh, sometimes you do. You kind of, you kind of wonder when you when you present messages and different things. You know how things go over, and you know what people really grab. And you know, like, my, like I, I visualize every Sunday when I step up to preach. I'm like, man, just you know, in my mind, somebody's going home, and they're you know they're having lunch, and 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 they're sitting there, and somebody goes. Man, let's just talk about that second point that the pastor made today. Like, that was just life-changing. I'm not foolish. I know that that conversation actually doesn't happen. I'm just saying in my heart, I dream that that can happen. And so sometimes you wonder, like, what really sticks and everything? So I I figured out something that stuck recently, I guess, because I've been sent several pictures um, by text during the week, and I was actually sent this, this shirt um, this week through Amazon, um, and if you, if you haven't been listening to our messages, you, you're not going to fully appreciate this, um, but this is what's on the shirt that somebody sent me through Amazon, the cassette tape with the pencil. Um, if you didn't catch this message, like, I, I'm just, all I'm giving you is this, um, and, and no, that was not the whole thing that the message was about, but evidently that was like, that was a big take home, so um, if, if that just makes you curious, maybe you'll go back and, um, and, and catch some of those messages. Um, this morning, we are going to be back in... Uh, Acts chapter 18. We're, we're back in our study through Acts. Um, we took a little break during the summer. Um, recently, we've gone from 16 to 17 to 18. And, and if you've tracked through that, you've seen how a very, very um, difficult season for these new Christians. Um, Paul particularly seems to be getting really just pushed out of city after city after city. And we've talked about how he handles some of that stuff. Um, and, and please always hear when we talk about how Paul dealt with something, the, the whole purpose of the book of Acts is how, how do believers, believers in Jesus, how do they functionally live their life by the leading of the Holy Spirit? This is, this is Jesus in them helping them live their daily life and make their daily decisions. So when you hear Paul is led out of a city, um, sometimes it looks like it's people that are pushing him out, but, but the Holy Spirit's always with him and always helping him with that next decision. Um, and, and we're seeing big, major Churches be planted. Now, when I say big major churches, not because of the moment that it happened in, but because God drew people and called people to those congregations, and, and they became um, this, this great church. Now, uh, for them, this very different church culture than what we live in. We live in um, a city with, if you've, if you've never noticed this, a whole lot of churches, right? That's, that's kind of what we're used to in this part of the country. Now, for them, they would have gathered in large, large groups, and at times, all believers from the city would come together. They also met, as we're going to look at some things today, they also met in some homes, and, 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 and those were referred to in different ways in Scripture, but in one particular way today. Um, ultimately, what, what we're after is today is we're, we're going to go into Scripture and look at these two people, um, Aquila and Priscilla. I, I, don't know if you, I don't know if you know two people. You might know a Priscilla. I don't know if you know an Aquila, okay? But, but these two folks... Are, are really highlighted in this chapter, not because um, it's, it's, hey, look at me, but, but, but what's going on in their life, how they're living, how they're, how they're functioning in the kingdom. We see a couple things in this chapter about them, but there's also times where Paul, still inspired by God, 
mentions them in other writings. And, and when we kind of take all that in, we're going to see kind of hopefully as a full picture today, four ways as, as we're living by the Holy Spirit, four ways that we can be an influencer for the Lord in our lifetime and, and in the season we live in. Now, this thing of being an influencer has, has really taken kind of a different shape. Um, hopefully you realize that the culture that we live in in the United States is not an accurate representation of how everyone across this world lives. Um, as a good, just basic church example, I had a conversation on Friday night with somebody from our church, and just really just, it was grieved souls about all the persecution, um, that, that's the stories that are coming out, especially out of Afghanistan right now, where there's brothers and sisters in Christ who are having to, having to either declare Jesus as Lord or, um, and lose their life, or save their own life, and, and denounce him. And we don't know what that's like. I mean, we, we, what we claim as persecution is, is not to that level, okay? So, so that's, that's kind of one extreme church example. But, but also just in kind of the average comforts of life. Um, to be in the top 1% of wealth in the world annually, to be in the top 1% of wealth, um, it is... It's a shocking number. The majority of households um, within our community around us are literally in the top 1% of wealth in the, in the world. But across the world right now, when we think about influencer, there's something that 45, that's shocking, that, that when, when you go all across the globe, 45% of, of humanity is actively involved in. You know what that is? Social media. Social media. 45% of the world. And, and because of that... There's this thing that you see, and, and I always kind of smile a little bit when people put it on their profile or kind of put it on a, on a job description, and, and just even because we've, we've hired in the last year of this church, I would see this on job descriptions about um, they would claim that they were a certain kind of influencer on social media. Now, um, I, I've, I've done some research to say, okay, what, what is, what's the legitimacy of, 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 all, the, of all the metrics, and, and, and what do we know about this? And, and so basically, here, this is it kind of in a snapshot. Um, with social media being an influencer, if you have millions of followers, it really doesn't matter what you know, what you don't know, what you're good at or what you're not good at. Just because that many eyes are on you, you're just an influencer, right? And, and there's, some, there's certain names that go along with this. Now, it, it doesn't mean that you have to have just millions of followers um, to be an influencer. So if you're going, well, I don't have a million, I have 20, okay? Well, all right, so this is for you. The smaller number of followers that you have, smaller number of followers you have, you're an influencer according to their metrics if you're an expert in one really specific area. Okay, so, so if, you're, if you're a super expert in one specific area, even if you just have 100 followers, you have influence in that way. Now for me, um, I, I've, I've got enough followers, um, but, but I'm not enough of an expert um, so I'm just, I guess, like a social media drifter. I don't know really what I am. I don't think I have a category. I'm not on a website or anything like that. Um, but, but, but when we think about being an influencer, it, it's, really, it's, re, it's really taking a new shape in our world. Um, we're not going to be talking about social media today, but I just want you to think about um, more authentically, what is it going to mean for me to be an influencer in the kingdom and, 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 and to do something for the Lord and for it to take effect, okay? We're going to look at Priscilla and Aquila for some some examples to come out of their lives, uh, four specific ones uh, that we're going to look at today. I'm going to start reading in verse 1 in chapter 18. It says, After this he, the he in there is Paul, 
He left Athens and went to Corinth, where he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome. Paul came to them, and since they were of the same occupation, tent makers by trade, he stayed with them and worked. He reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade both Jews and Greeks. Now, Priscilla and Aquila most likely, we, we don't know this for sure because their, their whole life story isn't contained in Scripture, but, but there's some clues in Scripture that help us to know that most likely they are what we would probably call a blended marriage. His background was a Jewish upbringing. Um, in Scriptures, um, in, in the law, her background, her family background, was, was very likely um, much more Roman. Socially, she would have had very different connections. And we see some, some ways that possibly those may have kind of played itself out. They're a little bit more of a blended marriage. And, and, and the movement had to do with um, the, the, the Jewish pushing out of Jews that, that he was really under. But we notice as, as they have moved and they have found a home, there's something that happens that's really critical. And, and this is the first thing that I want, I want to go ahead and kind of put in your mind this morning. This will be the first statement that's on the screen. Priscilla and Aquila, they gained opportunity through hospitality. They gained opportunity through hospitality. It says, and since they were of the same occupation, tent makers by trade, he stayed with them and worked. So, so what did the hospitality look like for Paul? Well, number one, it, it was a place where they had, they had a, a, probably maybe a separate building, maybe, maybe just in their house. They, they had common tools. They had what Paul could use as a skilled trade to make some, make some money while he was there teaching others about Jesus, about, by, by, by really witnessing for Christ. And as people got saved, starting to lead them in discipleship and help them kind of come together as a community of believers. So there were some shared tools. So he could go into their house and he could, he could actually make some money because they could share. In addition to that, Paul was able to go in and out of their home and, and go talk to Jews and, and, and really dig into Scripture and go, hey, this is what it says in the Scriptures. This is Old Testament language. This is the prophets. And look, this is what Jesus did to fulfill all that. So, so will you give your life to him? And then he would talk to Greeks who, who really had none of that religious background but would present Jesus as the, the answer to sin that we all know and we experience. So, so this is the kind of hospitality that really opened up to Paul because of Priscilla and Aquila. But now here's what we know about hospitality. Hospitality is not necessarily Christian. Hospitality, in a sense, is really just a, a willingness to, to open up, in this case, we would say, their home. We could also talk about hospitality when it just comes to our life. Hospitality could just be in a sense of, you know, am I, am I willing to kind of open up myself to someone else? You ever had somebody, um, you ever had somebody stay at your house for a little while? I don't, I don't mean they lived there necessarily for like two decades. I'm just saying, like, you, you kind of had life going on and something happened with them or they were moving or whatever it was and, 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 and that one night became two nights and that two nights became six months, <laughs> right? You, you know what I'm talking about? And, and, and in that situation, here's what happens a lot of times. You know, at first, it's, 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 it's no problem, right? Instead of, instead of cooking at home, and, and you don't know what everybody likes, you say, you know what, let's just go out to eat. We'll take you out. And then you eat out a few times, and you're like, well, I'm tired of spending money on eating out, so we just need to eat at home. And then it's like, well, okay, well, what do you eat? What do I eat? And then we're going, all right, you know, 
um, I've really prayed over this, and I feel like God has led me to, um, to make an offer. Um, I'll pay all of your rent if you'll leave. Right? Like, it's like we're, we're at that place where it's like hospitality kind of has a start, but then we kind of start feeling it like it has an end to it. All right? Because we kind of we get in our routine. And, and, and really what God is calling us to as believers, when you really look at the whole canon of Scripture is, is He's calling us to live this life with Jesus, but also with others. So, so that begs the question, like, how do I see hospitality play out in my life? Now, there are extremes to hospitality, okay? There are people who, you're not coming over, right? And, and it may be as simple as, you, you are, nobody's coming to our house today. Um, we're, we're, we will take them out to eat. We will pay for their lunch because we do not have our house in the condition it needs to be in for somebody to come over. It could just be something like that. It could be kind of an emotional, I, I'm, I'm just really closed off. Um, before I ever went into vocational ministry, um, and, and I say vocational because we're all called to be ministers of the gospel, and, and, and there's many people that serve and don't necessarily get a paycheck for it, but, but like kind of in that season of my life when I was doing um, ministry but, but working for a company, um, I worked for a floor covering company. And I was more on the residential side of stuff. Um, so yes, that means if something weird is going on with your floor, even as, a pa- even as your pastor, I'll come minister to your floor. Um, but, but I worked for this company, and um, I, I was one of the residential contracts. So I would go out, I mean, we, we'd work with you on products, we'd get the right product, we'd, we'd do all the measuring, the estimation, we'd do all this kind of stuff. Okay. So a guy that I had known for years in my life, I mean, even to when I was a kid, um, I knew his kids, okay? He calls me one day, he's going to a different church than I was going to, And he calls me. They had just hired a new student pastor. And he and his wife had moved into the the house that the church had. And and before they moved, they didn't have time to really get in there and do the work that they needed to do. Okay, So this guy calls me and he's like, hey, man, I need you um, just to meet me over there. I'll let you in. I just need you to measure all the floors. Um, uh, We'll work with you on getting the selections made. But we we trust you. We, we We just need some stuff redone. And I told him, I said, man, I, you know, th- this couple just moved in. Like, are you sure this is okay? Because he was like, come over now. It's like, man, are you, like, are you sure this is okay? He said, well, I'll tell you what. He said, I'm going to give you the guy's number. You call him and say, hey, man, is this a good time? Whatever you need to ask him. All right, fine. So I get off the phone. I call him. Hey, man, um, this is who I am. This guy asked me to come over. One of your deacons asked me. Um, I just want to make sure this is a good time for you. I don't want to, like, bust into your house or anything. And he said, man, no problem. We're moved in. Me and my wife are actually here right now. We'd love to see you. You just come on over. All right, so here I go. Boom, I go into the, I'm going over. Now, I don't know what you do when you know someone's coming over to your house. But even if it's last minute, like, you do some stuff to kind of make things manageable, right? I mean, you kind of get where I'm coming from? All right. So I walk in, side of the house, side entrance of the house, and this is kind of a laundry room. And, and in that laundry room, there is a lot of items hanging up that we'll just put them in a general category that we'll call um, delicate unmentionables, okay? Like just hanging all around the laundry room. So I don't know these people, okay? And, and here I come in and I'm like, whoa, hey, hey, hey. This is something I was never meant to see here. So, I mean, I'm like, I'm laser focused on the floor. Like, I'm trying to measure something. And, and the guy, the deacon that's with me, he like sees it and he's like, oh, oh. And I'm just, okay, let's just measure. All right, we're, we're done with the laundry room. Now let's go to the kitchen. Guess what's hanging on all the knobs of the cabinets? More of the same thing. So I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, like, okay, laundry room, kitchen. Continue to go through the house. From the chandeliers... Every room 
To the point where halfway through this house, I'm like, who are you people? Like, you can't be spending this much money on something that, that the general public never sees. Like, what, what are you not buying in your life? And then the whole time they're just like, hey, man. I mean, like eye contact, bringing me up to the level of what's happening. They're like, hey, how you doing? Talk to me about yourself. And I'm just like, please, no. Just make it stop. I don't want to see you and see your stuff all over. That's too hospitable, okay? Like that's like I'm drawing a line. That's too hospitable, and 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 it, that that's kind of a humorous example. But 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 think about it for a second. Um, even as a believer, there are many people in our lives that aren't ready when we just fling all the doors open and just pour everything on them at one time. Like we got to give some people some grace when it comes to hospitality when we're just really kind of opening things up. So 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 if that's not the extreme that we need to be, and we know we can't be totally closed off to people. How do we find where we should be really in the middle of this? Well, for one, I want you to consider, this was, this was likely an early stage of faith um, for, for Aquila and Priscilla. Um, they, they, they did something that could have seemed um, taxing to just have Paul come in. Um, but basically, they were just providing a hub for Paul as, as, as he was really the one active in ministry. They were really just providing just, just there with open doors, okay? Now, I want to look, look at a couple of other passages um, as well. 1 Corinthians. Now, this is Paul writing to the Corinthian church about Aquila and Priscilla, which, which by the order of what's happening, they're not still in Corinth. There, there seems to be the season where they moved from that church somewhere else, and then we see later that they come back, okay? But this is what it says about them in 1 Corinthians 18, um, uh, 16. Or it could be 18. I can't really see it on here. What does it say? 16, uh, verse, 16 verse 19. Um, the churches of Asia send you greetings. Aquila and Priscilla send you greetings warmly in the Lord along with the church that meets in their home. Now later, this is Paul writing um, the letter um, of Romans, verse 3 in chapter 16 Give my greetings to Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus, who risk their own necks for my life. Not only do I thank them, but do all the Gentile churches greet also the church that meets in their home. You see how now it's progressed? In the beginning, they were young in their faith, kind of first steps into hospitality. It was, let me just kind of open the doors. Let me, let me just kind of host. Let me, let, me, let me do this. Later, though, they're now leading a regular gathering that meets in their home. Now, some... Some people read this and go, okay, so that's how, that, this must be how they met as a church. You know, they met like similar to what we do in, in this time frame. They would have met all together as one big group, corporate worship, corporate message, corporate teaching, growing together at that pace. But then they would have met in homes. They would have ate meals. And sometimes when we read in the New Testament, what we read about is just is a gathering in a home that it's, that's meal-centered, that's relationship-building. But here specifically, Paul's using the same wording, church, that he refers to as all believers that are connected through Christ. And, and, and because they met at the home, there's this, there's this understanding that the, uh, Priscilla and Aquila are, are really, in life, shepherding the people that are meeting with them. So now it's not just the place that they met, but now it's this, this other level of spiritual investment that they're really engaging in when it comes to these people. Not just, hey, come in and go out and let's be cordial, and, but, but it's deeper relationships. It's knowing what's going on in their life, and, and, and it's a growth process, not just in what they know, but also what they live out. 
which tells us that for us, Christian hospitality, number one, to be Christian hospitality, must have a kingdom purpose. The purpose in the beginning was we, we want to help someone share the gospel. And we want to be part of that. We want, we want to interact in that way. We want to help you with funding. Then hospitality became, let me pour into your life. Let me shepherd you. Let me, let me offer a safe place. So really maybe the question about Christian hospitality is not so much exactly what do I need to do, but just where do I need to start? And then allow God to grow you and grow me as we open not just homes, but our lives to other people. So really, it kind of becomes right now, okay, hospitality. And, and are, there, are the relationships in my life really primarily social? And if they are, then, then where we start is, is by bringing a spiritual context into that. If we're already hosting, maybe some groups that come home, and we have a spiritual context of what we're doing, okay, how can I more intentionally invest in their lives and pour into them and, and open mine further up to them to things maybe they don't know that would help them grow? So if we're going to be an influencer, that's the first thing we see. Now, um, a couple of things um, that I do want to point out to you. Um, one is this. To, to the level that Paul just sees these people. Now, this is the Apostle Paul, and, and, and he we, we know all what his ministry was like. Listen to how he describes them at this later season of their life and ministry. He says to them this, Give my greetings to uh, Prisca, which is actually, it's an affectionate, um, kind of an affectionate, affectionate nickname. This isn't quite like, hey girl, but, but, it's, but it's, it's, it's affectionate, it's I know you. To Prisca and Aquila, my co-workers, my fellow laborers, as it says in some translations. Paul looks at what Priscilla and Aquila are regularly up to, and he go, looks at them and goes, we're in the same business. We're, we're, we're in the same line of work. He, he sees, he, he might be teaching to, to a multitude, he might be getting chased out of cities, but he sees them in their corner, in their home, and what they're doing as equal responsibility in the kingdom. Which tells us, what, what, what are we called to do? That in itself, that thing that God is calling us to, that is just as important that anything that happens on the stage or on, or on media or whatever, the thing that looks like it gets so much attention, it, it, it's, it's, as, it's as, at least as equally as important as anything that happens big publicly. An influencer is somebody who gains opportunity through hospitality, but it's got to be directed towards Christian context. The second one that we're going to get to, we're actually going to go back to Acts chapter 18, but we're going to look a little bit later in the chapter, okay? Let's go a little bit later in the chapter, and now we're going to see where Aquila and Priscilla now engage in the life of someone else. Uh, verse 24, now a Jew named Apollos, a native Alexandrian, an eloquent man who, has, um, who is competent in the use of scriptures, arrived in Ephesus. Um, if you read First and Second Corinthians, you hear a lot about Apollos. Um, Apollos... As we see him introduced, there's some really key factors about Apollos that's really worth taking note of, okay? First, it says that he's an eloquent man. Um, I've had a couple conversations with people about this recently, and, and, and I find this really intriguing. There, there's two things that, that we see kind of in our lives when we look at, okay, what can I specifically do, Lord, in the kingdom for you? One, we, one, one thing that we see is, is that there are spiritual gifts, and those spiritual gifts that we have, we only have them because we're saved. We don't have them because um, it kind of matches something natural. With, we have that spiritual gift because we're saved to use for the glory of God. And, and, and many times what, what, what you'll notice happening is 
in yourself or in someone else, if it's really truly a spiritual gift and we choose to not use it for God's glory and the kingdom of God and building up the body of Christ, then likely and, and often we will, we will lose that ability or it will become less evident to other people because the whole point of a spiritual gift is, is a lot of times people seeing something from us that's really not us naturally, but it's to the glory of God. Another thing that we have are talents. Now, talents are natural. Sometimes talents are DNA. If you've ever been in a family or known a family, sometimes you'll see a family and you go, good gracious, everybody in that family can play instruments, they can sing, all that stuff. It, it just seems to go generation by generation by generation. That's a, that's a talent. That's some of that's an inherited talent. Athletic ability, some of those things. We see, and those are talents. And, and people have talents whether they're saved or not saved, meaning that those things can be used even to prosper themselves outside of the kingdom of God. Now, the Bible's clear. In specific ways, especially in the Old Testament, God mentions certain people, and he talks about their actual talents that they have, and he says that, that I created them, I made them that way. Because spiritual gifts and talents, as a believer, we're called to use those for God's glory in his kingdom. But, but, but I want to kind of, just as, as a precursor, the, what they're getting ready to do is not the easiest thing because, have, have you ever noticed, when somebody's just naturally talented at something, sometimes that person can be kind of hard to deal with over that thing? Because if it's a natural talent, that's when we're way more tempted by pride as compared to a spiritual gift that we really are self-aware. Lord, this is nobody but you. Nobody but you. When, when it can be me, you know, for, from birth to even up when I got saved. And, and if I had that talent, it's like, whoa, I can just be good at this myself. So here's, here's the way this conversation went. It said he had been instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in spirit, he was speaking and teaching accurately about Jesus. So, so he was versed in scripture. Now that scripture reference meant the Old Testament scriptures. We're reading about people who, um, in their lifetime, they lived out the New Testament. They received a letter, like 1st or 2nd Corinthians, and heard it read out loud for the first time. It was not in the canon of Scripture yet. So, so he, was, he, he knew enough about Old Testament Scripture that he could take Jesus and, and, and come to a Jew especially and go, see, they match. He's the fulfillment. He's the Messiah. So that's part of what he was doing. He was speaking and teaching accurately about Jesus, although... He knew only John's baptism. So why is that such a big deal? Okay. There was a gap. There was a gap. Apollos could stand up and, and with a natural ability speak, and, and it, was, it was magnetic. I mean, in First and Second Corinthians, there are people who, 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 who say they have followed Apollos. They would say they follow Apollos before they'd say they followed Jesus. I mean, he was that kind of charismatic person, Right? Um, if you've ever known that, known a charismatic person, and in fact, is, is the kind of person who can make some really boneheaded moves and mistakes, and people still want to be around them. When someone else makes one little, they, they make one little mistake, it seems like everybody runs from them. Everybody doesn't have that kind of personality. The, the, this the, this guy's magnetic. Okay. And and when he would talk about baptism, he was talking about what John the Baptist said, which was basically this: he was, he was a forerunner for Jesus. Um, his message was repent for the day of the Lord is is here. So so basically, baptism was hey you you know you need to you need to be baptized as a sign that you're just really convicted and guilty over your sin. That's not the baptism of Jesus Christ. Baptism in Christ says that when I go underwater, I'm dead to sin, just like Jesus paid the payment for sin. 
but when I come back out of the water, I'm, a, I'm represented, representative of the resurrection, that I'm alive, just like Jesus is, is alive out of the grave, that I'm alive in Christ. And I live for him, not my sin. And when we do that, we're telling people what happened inside of us. We're showing them publicly, but we're also giving a testimony to what can happen in everybody's life that will see it. It's a, it's a confession of Jesus as Lord. And that was the gap. He was accurate that Jesus was sent by God, but there was a gap between that and really salvation in Christ and being filled with the Holy Spirit. So this is what they did. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. After Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained the way of God to him more accurately. When he wanted to cross over to Achaia, the brothers and sisters wrote to the disciples to welcome him. After he arrived, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed, for he vigorously refuted the Jews in public, demonstrating through the scriptures that Jesus is the Messiah. They, they pulled him aside, and, and, and that couldn't have been easy. There's no way that that's an easy thing to do because, again, here's a guy who's super skilled and talented at what he just did, and, and here's Aquila and Priscilla pulling him aside, not because he, 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 he delivered a bad message, because the message was great. They had to pull him aside because the content wasn't really accurate. That's a tough conversation, right? That's, that's a tough conversation. So, so here's really the point that, that I think the, the Scripture calls us to really drive home in our souls. Um, Priscilla and Aquila contributed to the kingdom by investing in people. In other words, they, they, they were wanted to be part of making disciples. So, so w- w- when they invested in Apollos, what do they do? Hey, hey here's, you know, we really think you, you need to really rethink how you kind of close out your messages. They, they, they weren't there to talk to him about that. They, they trusted the Lord to, 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 to skill him and gift him in delivery. Like, that wasn't their background. For all we know, Priscilla and Aquila, in that home church environment, got everybody together, and as they, as they were sharing a teaching of Jesus, they may have fumbled through exactly how to word it because they were so nervous about speaking in front of a group of adults. You know, that, that fear happened many times. They weren't there to say, we're, we're going we're gonna to walk you through all this. They just said, listen, there, there's a gap that God has shown us, and in that gap, I can invest in you, and I can help you be closer and more accurately um, the image and the message of Jesus than you were before. So there's a few things that I think really help us in our minds. Um, investing in people isn't driven by similarities. So in other words, if you're saying, okay, how am I going to be an influencer in the kingdom? How is God going to use me? Um, you don't have to go and see somebody and go, you know what? They're just like me. You can go, in fact, and, and, and we have teachers that go in classrooms, and they stand in front of students that they are nothing like. But if they see gaps in their lives spiritually, they have an opportunity to invest in that gap. You may work with people that are not your same age. You, you, you may be going into a field that, that you're going to be the rookie at. You, you may hang around single people and you're married or you're single and hanging around married. Like you, it's not about, because I think when we tell ourselves I'm mentoring someone, we're really aiming a lot of that at ourselves. Like I, it's, it's me doing the work. And, and this is what the Lord can do in somebody's life, not what just I can do. So, so really it frees us to go, okay, I don't have to find the person that I think I'm best able to um, pour into or to help get them from point A to point B. I just need to look around me and be aware, God, where do you show me a gap in someone's life that, that for the kingdom I can help them know you better by stepping into and having a voice? That's it. 
That's it. We, we, we make it way too complicated. Well, I don't want to work with those kids because like, I don't do kids or my kids are old or whatever it is. But, but, but if there's a gap, why, do I not, why, why, why am I so quick to jump and say, well, God, you're not calling me into that environment to, to, to be that voice, to be um, an influencer for the kingdom of God? Um, and, and two, you know, don't get nervous. Um, don't get nervous by someone's talents. Because investing in, in, in with a kingdom mindedness is guided by the Holy Spirit. Um, so no matter what someone is good at or bad at, if God is leading you to it, that trumps their get their abilities. It, it trumps all that because His word is is, is so much greater. Um, here's the, here's the third thing um, that I want to mention to you, and then we're going to go actually back to uh, a passage that I just read. Um, Priscilla and Aquila took calculated risk. Now I'm going to show you the equation. I think that they. They worked through as they took a risk. But, but here, I want to I mention again the risk that it says that they took, okay? Verse 3, give my greetings to Prisca and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their own necks for my life. If you look in the, in the, in the Greek, this is literally translated, they laid down their own necks. This is, this is their vernacular, their slang for their way to say, they literally put their lives on the line for Paul. They put their lives on the line for Paul, and and it, and it wasn't even just um, it wasn't even just Paul because when we really make the when we take the right calculated risk on behalf of someone, many times we, we're not aware in the moment. But what we end up finding out later down the line is that risk was 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 about much more than them, right? Because notice what Paul says: not only do I thank them but so do all the Gentile churches. In other words, if they hadn't have made that risk and, and played that risky play and really stuck their necks out for Paul, then, then there are other people that may have had to hear about Christ a totally different way. Paul said, listen, the, the gospel came to him. Those churches started. And, and, and I can tie the, some of those events back to when they stuck their necks out for me. Here's the equation I think they really had to work through because, and I want to go ahead and tell you this, when we look at someone's life, and we're going to decide, am I going to spend time with that person? There's a lot of things that come and start to mess with our mind. Sometimes those things may be, you know what? That person has let me down a million times, and they're only going to do it again. Sometimes we may look at them and go, I know them. There's just no hope. Poor Wendy, she wakes up beside a guy every morning and looks at him and thinks that, right? That's my wife. I'm the guy, by the way, if you didn't have trouble doing the math. Um, <laughs> I mean, we, we look at people. Sometimes they've hurt us, and we don't want to be hurt. Like, surely they're going to hurt me again. I'm not going to do it. Sometimes it's because of their sin. Sometimes the sin they've committed is so offensive to us and so against us that, that we look at it and go, I, I, it's too risky. If I jump in with them, if I, try to, if I try to be there for them, what am I going to have to hear and listen to from everybody else that's going to legitimately have a right to stand against this sin? This is, I believe, the equation that, that, Paul, that, that Paul was aware that they worked through. Kingdom purpose plus Paul equaled that it was worth sticking their necks out for him. I mean, you, you think about it. So, so in the beginning, Paul was just kind of going out of their house kind of as a hub. He was, he, he was man, people were getting saved. It, it's like, hey, you know, you're doing a great job. I think you're worth investing in. Use our tools. We'll share money. We won't keep all the profits. You make this. We'll let you keep the profits off of it. And, and, and just because it was Paul and the evidence, was, you know what, that, that, that'll probably be okay. But at some point, likely what happened is, is it escalated. And we don't know 
if, if she had to use some of her family connections to find out information that ended up saving Paul's life. We don't know that, that she didn't get just totally alienated by her family, but, but most likely what, what, what seems to be the case is whatever, whatever the situation, when they stepped forward and either spoke up for Paul or housed Paul or funded Paul or identified with Christ, that they very well could have lost their life. But Paul was so aware of, of all the impact. Now, here's, here's something I've noticed. Um, God has not often asked me, person, I'm just speaking for me, God has not asked me to go all the way into deep risk, like right off the bat, in my walk with Jesus. Most of the time it's been, okay, here's the calculated risk. What's the kingdom purpose plus this person? And, 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 and how does it show you it's worth taking the risk? Because there's many different things that are risky. Okay, but, but when we look at someone who's, who's, who's been in a sin and we're really struggling over the sin that they've been in, we have to look at them and go, okay, it's, it's, I can't make my decision off that sin, but, but if that soul repents, what could God use with their story of a mess into a message? And, and, and can I be a part of helping them walk forward in that? Like, could God use me in their life? Like, other people may not understand it, but, but, but what if we're talking 10 years down the line? When I would sit there and go, you know what? Those people that didn't understand, totally worth the risk. Totally worth the risk. What if we knew financially how it was going to work out later? Totally worth the risk. But, but, but what we have to do is that, that great factor of kingdom purpose. What could God do in this situation? Um, I, Mike came up and, and he introduced himself. And he's, he's going to be at the lead of this, this discipleship group. And these things are going to be going on. Um, in the church world, um, many times... Um, from a pastor's, pastoral standpoint, you, you may give somebody an opportunity to do something, they may totally drop the ball. You ever had somebody just totally drop the ball on you, just not show up? If you've ever worked in like little league sports, there are coaches that don't ever show up to the first day of practice, and there are kids and parents that are just irate because they just didn't show up. But, 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 the, but they just need coaches. And, and sometimes, and from a church standpoint, you, you look at it and go, you know what, I may not have known this person for a decade, but, but what fruit have I seen in their life? And, and, and what's the passion that they say is on their heart? And then the kingdom purpose is we've got to make disciples. We've got to grow in our faith and grow in relationships together. So, so, so what do we do at the end of the day? It's worth, it's, it's worth, everything's a risk when it comes to people, right? Trusting is a risk. Let's go. I mean, there's, there's enough kingdom purpose that, that goes along with that person that, that at the end of the day, it's worth it. And you may argue, so, but you know what? I've, I've, I've found out sometimes it doesn't pan out. Not arguing, not arguing. But I also know that I'm also on that side of having panned out for somebody before probably. Here's the last one. Um, and, and I want to tell you before I read this, I'm getting ready to read four verses out of 2 Timothy chapter 4. Um, and this mentions Aquila and Priscilla. But, but when I read this, I just want to warn you up front, this is going to sound really unimpressive when it comes to their life story, Okay. Four, four words, that's all we've got. 2 Timothy 4, verse 19, it says, Greet Priscilla and Aquila. That's all the four words we get about them in that whole letter that Paul wrote to 2 Timothy. Now, greet there, I want to tell you, it, it's not just hello, they get a mention. That greet there is, 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 is go to them and let them know. In fact, everybody that hears this later, go to, that per go to those people and let them know that I'm thinking about them. I want to read um, a, a short section out of the New American Commentary that, that kind of frames what Paul was going through when he wrote this letter to 2 Timothy. Listen to this. Paul wrote his second letter to Timothy 
from the loneliness of a dungeon while awaiting a likely death. He attempted to fortify Timothy for accomplishment and steadfastness in ministry after his departure. When it says departure, that doesn't mean he's going on a trip. It means departure to eternity. Formal divisions of the letter are difficult to make, for we pass quickly from one exhortation to another. The early parts of the letter contain encouragements for ministerial endurance. This is followed by an appeal for doctrinal soundness, a conclusion containing many personal requests. Okay, so here, let, me just, let me just explain to you basically what this says. This is this guy's educated way of saying, hey, listen, in 2 Timothy, Paul was all over the place. Because Paul was at the end of his life. He knew death was coming. This is the last letter that we have that Paul wrote. And he wrote it to Timothy, and, and, and he, his heart was breaking because he was going to be gone, and he cared about this kid, and, and he wanted him to succeed in ministry. He didn't want him just to have a good church. He wanted him to finish well in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, so when you're in that kind of moment of, of passion and a little bit desperation, you don't do a A to B, B to C conversation. You just shotgun Hey, do this, do this, don't do this. And it sounds to an outsider like it's all over the place. And, and, and as a part of that last, just heart-driven communication in this letter, in that, he, he writes, go to Priscilla and Aquila and let them know in this moment, I am thinking about them. And I believe this is what it drives us towards. Um, they lived lives which were remembered rather than known. They live lives which were remembered rather than known. Um, when, when we live our life for ourselves, it's about, okay, in the moment, this is, this is about me. I need you to hear me. I, I, and I want to be known. I want to be, be an influencer on social media. I want to I have this number of followers. So, so everybody just kind of takes everything that I'm doing and they just draw it in. Or, or I'm okay having less followers, but I want to be known as an expert. I want to be thought of as I, I really know my stuff in this. And when people come to me, they just take my word and my opinion because, because I've, I've got the experience. That's being known. And in the Christian walk, if we focus on how we're known, we'll miss so much of the depth of who we're called to be, right? Because we'll think about how many people can, can, can hear me, and we won't think about what is the depth of just one human's life and how God can work in all of it. How he can heal hurts, how, how he can grow them, how he can, how he can guide them, how he can redeem their soul. Wait, wait, we, we, we lose sight of the depth of their soul and their life when we think about being known. If, if we if we live, I mean, think about the ways that they live faithfully. They were open to be open. They were open to be open. They they didn't just they didn't just do that. They intentionally invested in people. And then in some of those people that they invested in, it, they took risks. They saw a kingdom purpose and a person, and they said, you know what, this may not be easy, but, 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 but for maybe what even won't come till down the line, we're going in on this, Lord, because, because there's a word that someone needs. There's, there's an encouragement. There's something that's going to have an effect that's probably beyond anything that we'll ever know. And this doesn't even mention those people that they just regularly poured into on a regular basis. Not, not 5,000 new people every month, but just the regular, they, their house was open every week at the same time. You know how amazing just that is? Like That's what it means to be an influencer. Um, at the first of this message, I put this, I put this tea bag from Lipton in this center cup. Okay, now, now this is just this is just a cup of water. This is um, this is just the length of my message that this has been in there. You could tell by the 
the color, the color difference. This is a cup that um, this tea bag has has been in overnight. Um, you ever you ever uh, you ever see something pop up on your social media and you go, "Hang on a second, I was just talking about that five minutes ago." Like I think one day I was ordering a large sweet tea at Chick Fil A and then I saw an article about how to brew cold brew sweet tea come up on my social media. I guess that's about how exciting my life is. Um, but but I, I read the article and it said it talked about how you can like I, I, I'm trying to use less sugar right now. So so it talked about how you do this cold brew. It's it's not as bitter and and you don't need as much sugar and this kind of stuff. And and so, and so I tried that. Um, but but I think too this this kind of helps us when you look at these three different glasses. It kind of helps us understand something. The, the word of what's happening here is steeped. And one of the definitions of steeped is, is, is that is there's, there's been a full effect into something. Like you could say a, a city is steeped into history. In other words, there's been so many things that have happened within that city that it's just steeped in it. It's, just, it, it's the flavor of the city. It's evident all around it. Now, if you tasted each of these, this is water. It's just going to taste just clean but just not flavorful. This is probably going to taste like what we may say is watered down. And this has, and I tasted this, this has a pretty full, good flavor to it. This can also be seen as the source of influence. This is, this is only the effect of, of this morning. And I think it's a pretty good illustration of, you know, Sunday morning just isn't enough. It just isn't enough to get full flavor. For my life to have the taste and the smell and the, and, 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 and the aroma of Jesus all through it. Like it takes more than that. We know that and we want to create opportunities for that. But, but, but it also reminds me that, that there's going to be experiences with other people. There's going to be, there's going to be moments of influence. And, and when they take something in from my life, either advice that I give or a conversation that we have or just, just observing each other or spending time at, at, at one another's house, there's going to be something that you're going to take in and... and and what do I want that to be? Do, do I want to serve something that, that, that lacks that flavor? Do I, do I want it kind of be watered down? Like, yeah, there's a little bit of Jesus, but, but, but still you know, a, a, a significant amount of me to where, where you don't really know what you're getting? Or am, am I really willing to let him be written over my story and, and it be him that people know and people see? This message, you know, a lot of this, a lot of this book of Acts is, is kind of, hey, what does, it, what does it mean to have Jesus in us and how do we live our lives? But, but this, this passage really pushes us to kind of this edge of, okay, as you look out at people and lives around you, like, how's this going to go? And I want to remind you something. When we talk about value of something, many times people say, hey, there, you know, this is estimated at this or you could probably get this for this thing if you sold it. The, the value of something is, is, is really only determined based on what someone has already paid for it. That's the only hardcore value you can absolutely know. So before you walk out and think, that's not me, I can't influence for Christ, check your value at the door. God himself came in the form of Jesus Christ. To pay for every sin so that you and I can know him in eternity, but also now. That's your value. That's the price you base your worth off of. Which means 
your influence can equal that. Would you bow your heads for just a second? And my prayer for you is that, um, you know, regardless of what um, has, has really pulled your mind and my mind to doubting value and, and really being discouraged that, that through God's word this morning, you really hear um, he, he can use you to influence. And, and in being an influence, it's, it's, a, it's from Priscilla and Aquila being new Christians all the way to being remembered by Paul because of, because of really a, a, a lifetime of not opportunity, but taking opportunity, experiences. So wherever you are right now, this is the season. Now is the time to realize the magnitude of your value and the influence that you can be for Christ. Lord, thank you so much for all that you do in our lives. Lord, speak into us. Help us to know your word and understand it and to know from here where to go. Surely, Lord, spending time with you alone but connecting with other Christians so that we can hear from them and, and gain their experience as if in similar ways than what we would have gotten if we just sat down with Aquila and Priscilla and said, how did you decide to start this group? How, how, did, you, how did you find the openness to let this guy come into your home and, and go in and out for the cause of Christ? How, how, did, how, did, you, how did you commit to, to move one time and then move back and just consistently keep after what God had shown you that he gifted you to do. How, how did you have a hard conversation with somebody that was so talented in areas that you weren't talented in, but, but you just saw a gap, and, 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 and I see a gap in somebody's life, so how do I speak boldly into that? God, speak to us in those same ways. Show us what we can do in your kingdom and help us to not be satisfied with even a watered-down version of an active faith and an active life and, and surely not be satisfied with someone just getting all of us and none of you. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Would you stand as we sing together?